On the resurrection morning when all the dead in Christ shall rise, I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Eternal soul in weakness, raised in power, ready to live in paradise. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory. With the redeemed of God. No more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my Savior, ready to live and I'll be glad. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life eternal. Free from every imperfection, youthful and happy I shall be. Lost in victory, I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Oh, yes, I'll have a new home. Glory, glory, with the redeemed. Never said there'll be no more sorrow, no more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of his likeness, ready to live. I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Trump of God shall sound. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Eternal grains, all bursting saints are shouting heavenly beauty all around. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Oh, yes. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory, glory. with reading no God to stand. No more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of Christ, likeness. ready to live. I'll be glad. glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. I am your host, Bruce Kessler. And I just want to say, just welcome, friend, welcome to the Passion for Christ show. So glad to have you, friend. What a wonderful day, what a wonderful time it is to be alive, to be a child of God. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. I just want to let you know that I'm part of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ, because you see in him I find peace, joy, and happiness, and I am blessed beyond measure more than I can ever deserve. I just want to welcome you to the show, and my goal here is to help you along the way, find your passion in Jesus Christ. How about that, folks? How about that? Upcoming in our study section, we're going to be talking about Revelations chapter 3, Jesus' letter to the church at Laodicea, and why it's so relevant for today but before we get to that point i just want to just let you know that we have some headline news for this day and so here we go headline news 
Americans. Okay, here we go. Exactly half of Americans who describe themselves as very liberal say a business executive who donates his or her own money to President Trump's re-election campaign should be fired, according to a new survey. The survey asked all Americans if business executives who donate private money to Trump should be canned. Liberals were most likely to say yes. Although 43% of liberals said a business executive who donated to Trump should be fired, the number jumped to 50% among Americans who self-label as very liberal. About a third of moderates said a, an executive should be fired for donating to Trump. Among all Americans, 31% back sucks such an action. Elizabeth Nolan Brown called it a disturbing high percentage of people who support a loss of job for political donations. Meanwhile, support for firing business executives over donations to Democratic Joe Biden was not so high. Only 22%. Of all Americans said that. Well, there you go, folks. Get that. 50% of very liberal Americans say Trump donors should be fired from jobs. Oh, my. Oh, my, folks. Just oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. Well, now get this. Get this. More than 300 current and former college and professional female athletes signed a July 29th letter to the NCAA urging it to reject calls for a boycott of Idaho due to a new law that protects the integrity of women's sports. At issue is the Fairness in Women's Sports Act, an Idaho law that requires biological sex and not gender identity to be used in determine who plays on high school and college teams. The American Civil Liberties Union is asking the NCAA to boycott Idaho, saying the law harms transgender athletes. But a coalition known as Save Women's Sports supports the Idaho law and is urging the NCAA not to take action. On July 29th, Save Women's Sports sent a letter to the NCAA signed by more than 300 current professional Olympic and collegiate female athletes. And uh, that letter urges the NCAA not to give in to bullying tactics that are antithetical to the NCA values of respect, fairness, and civility. Fairness of female athletes should not be a political or partisan issue. We strongly believe that every woman should have the opportunity to compete, but true athletic parity for women demands that women's sports be protected for biological females. Protecting the integrity of women's sports has for decades played an integral role and remedying past discrimination against women and empowering them to achieve their full athletic potential. There you go, folks. There you go. Get that. 300 female athletes urge NCAA protect women's sports from transgender overreach. My, oh, my. Wait, now get this. 
Governor John Bell Edwards of Louisiana called on residents to fast and pray for three days from July 20th to July the 22nd to bring an end to COVID-19. The Democratic governor shared his intention to pray and refrain from lunchtime eating at a press conference not too long ago. Spiritual leaders from all around the state asked Edwards to join them for a spiritual diet and exercise. We're praying for the people of Louisiana, praying for those who are sick, praying for those who care for those who are sick, and certainly praying for the families of those who have passed on. Both Republicans and Democrats have put aside the differences and applauded Governor Edwards. The COVID-19 has killed over 3,500 people in the Bayou State with a little over 90,000 tested positively. According to the New York Times, Louisiana ranks the 12th highest in number of cases and 11th in the number of deaths across the country. Governor Edwards mandated last week that all residents must wear masks, which has sparked controversy with the state's attorney general who believes the mandate is unconstitutional. Well, there you go, folks. There you go. Louisiana governor fast and prays for three days over COVID-19. What a good, uh, good act by a governor. Amen, folks. And that's our headline news for this broadcast. And now this day in church history. In 984, death of Bishop Ethelwold. His emphasis has been to repair the spiritual damage left by Danish invasions to promote the Benedictine order and build monasteries and nunneries. The English people consider him a saint because he sold the treasures of the church to feed the poor. Objects could be replaced, he said, but lives are not replaceable. In 1252 A.D., death of John of Plano Carpena, missionary of the people of the Mongols. He had traveled great distances to protest the invasion of Christian lands and assess the strength and goals of the Tatars. In 1895, Anglican missionaries Robert Warren Stewart, his wife Louise, their two children, and seven other Christians are butchered in China. My, oh my, folks. Missionary work in foreign lands is a very dangerous thing. And that's this day. In church history. And now we have named that Bible character. Here is your clue. I was Joshua's father. What is my name? I was Joshua's father. What is my name? 
We'll reveal the final answer to that following our study segment, so stay tuned, folks, for that exciting reveal in our final segment of Name That Bible Character. Well, folks, we have a good study for you this morning, so pull up your chairs, pull up your Bible, say hallelujah, amen, and let's get ready to discuss the Word of God. So the scripture is going to be Revelations chapter 3 in verse 15. Let's read it together. Let's read it together. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm... And neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Some very strong words that Jesus has to say to the church at Laodicea. If you remember, he had some things to say all across the churches of Asia. And uh, Theratyra, Sardis, Philadelphia... Ephesus, Pergamon, and now he's got some strong words to say to the brothers and sisters in Christ in Laodicea. I wonder if he was able to look at our church, our congregation, what would he find? What would he say? You know, here Jesus is addressing their works. He specifically Starts out with that. I know your works. Isn't it interesting that we don't even think of it that way? We don't think about our actions and our fruits in the way in which they are easily viewable, seeable things by Jesus Christ. And in fact, he is looking for that. And he says here, he says, I find that you are neither cold are hot. I remember growing up listening to sermons on these, this verse here in Revelations chapter 3 verse 15 and 16 in which they gave the, uh, the term cold that Jesus used here in a negative light. And uh, I find that what Jesus is saying here is that he doesn't find the members here at Laodicea cold or hot. And the word that is troublesome for Christ is the word lukewarm. He says, that's what I'm finding. So Jesus is not concentrating on whether cold is negative or hot is negative. But he is firmly making a statement that lukewarmness is the problem. That's what is the negative connotation here by Jesus so, are you cold? Are you hot? Well, you know, cold water refreshes. So that's good. Cold water nourishes us. That's good. Hot water heals. Hot water purifies. That's good. So Jesus is looking for members of the church... To be good, 
And whether they're cold or hot. Some members are refreshing. Some members are healing. Some members are look to reconcile or cleanse or purify others through their actions and through their love and commitment. And others pour out like cold water, giving encouragement and love. But what about those who are right down the middle? That's what Jesus is addressing here in Revelation 3, verse 15. They're, they're that middle road. They're playing right down there. It's what we used to describe as people riding the fence. That's what Jesus is, is addressing here. This lukewarmness. Riding that fence. Middle the road. It's a picture that Jesus is using here of uselessness. No real value. They're just there. No real purpose. And in fact, lukewarmness, have you ever tried to drink lukewarm water? How disgusting it is? And not only that, but did you realize how many germs are in that water that you're trying to drink that's lukewarm? You see, that lukewarmness invites sickness, spiritual sickness. And it doesn't accomplish any good whatsoever. It doesn't accomplish what cold water accomplishes. It doesn't accomplish what hot water accomplishes. Now remember, friend, we're talking about Revelations chapter 3 in verse 15 and 16. Notice, Jesus says, you, speaking of the church, the brethren, you don't accomplish either one, cold or hot. I would rather you be cold or hot, either one. Either one does good. But you don't do that. You're right down the middle. You are lukewarm. And because of that, Jesus says, I will expel you out of my mouth. Woo! I don't know about you, but I don't want to lose the blessing of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The powerful words. You know, I remember an old rhyme that my Aunt Gwendolyn used to used to tell me. She's, it went this way. Hey, you red bird on that fence. Ain't you got no bit of sense? Get off them clothes before you fall. Today's the day for overalls. Quit riding that fence. You got the wrong clothes on. Get working clothes on. Get busy. Jesus is addressing their works. Referring to them as lukewarm. It doesn't accomplish any good thing whatsoever. Those are hard words. I wonder what words he would use for the congregation you're at, friend. For you. For me. What, what would he say? We need to think about that and pray over that. Are we comfortable in our comfortableness? Isn't it interesting that Jesus just doesn't say that we have a problem, but he spells it out. If you can't figure it out, he'll spell it out. Just like one day my dad came to me, woke me up about 5 o'clock one early morning and said, if the problem won't come to me, I will come to the problem. And that's what Jesus here is doing. Now notice what he says in verse 17. He spells it out. 
in vivid words. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Woo! Man alive. I sure wouldn't want to stand before Jesus and hear those words directed at our congregation or at me. Notice the words that he used. He says, you got a problem. And it has to do with you being rich. But it really has to do with your heart problem. You've come to this idea. You live in. You don't know it. But you have this. You've adapted a way of life. You have need of nothing. You arrived. You're the greatest. You're on top of the world. Where was their trust? Well, it was in things. It was in anything but the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus describes their true condition. Wretched. Miserable. Poor. Blind. And then to emphasize nakedness. Look at those words to describe a condition. Wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. Now you, friend, are listening to me right now and you're going, Ain't no way in this whole wide world I'm like that. Really? Maybe we need to take a step back and take some inventory. Where do you put your trust? Only when it's convenient. Only when you feel like that you are in need of God through prayer. You're in trouble. When you want something. You have a problem with pride. What do you concentrate on that for you is the most important thing in this life? Is it you? Is it in your possessions, your job, your kids, your car? What is it? Jesus was looking them dead in the eyes and saying, you know what? Don't you know? You don't know. You don't know that you are miserable, poor, blind, naked. You running around streaking. And don't even know it. What a mockery. Everybody else knows it. But you, you don't know it. The Laodiceans, the church. You see, the people in Laodicea were famous for their wealth. But Jesus was looking at the Christians and saying, you're famous for something entirely different, spiritual disconnect. Mm-mm-mm. The people there at Laodicea were famous for their fine clothing. Jesus says, you know what you're famous for? Your nakedness. How awkward. 
You see earlier, he had, um, he had blessed the church at Smyrna. Said, they're poor, but spiritually rich. It's the exact opposite here. Rich, but spiritually poor. Friend, that's trouble. And that's the exact opposite of what we know about the life and mindset of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. There's something to be said about humility, placing pride aside. Here are these people were rich, yet deeply, deeply poor. And for every reason under the sun, mainly because they had this idea and mindset that they needed nothing more in life and how wrong they are, how wrong you are, friend, if that is the life that you've adapted for you too. Well, friend, I tell you what, when you think about the Laodiceans in Revelations chapter 3, I tell you what, that should be a wake-up call for congregations all over the world, especially here in America where we got everything in the whole world we need. And and man, how lazy and lackadaisical we've become. And I think we can do a better job. Amen. Amen, and and what a very important study, and I thank Jesus for writing that letter because it's a letter that needs to be addressed to all of us individually as well as congregationally. Amen. Think about that. Pray over it, friend. Pray over this. Pray, pray, pray. Well, now we have the final conclusion to name that Bible character. Here was your clue. I was Joshua's father. What is my name? His name is none. That's right, folks. None. Exodus 33, verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto a friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of none, a young man departed not out of the tabernacle. There you go. I was Joshua's father. What is my name? None. And name that Bible character. Well, friend, you too can become a follower of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ, by submitting yourself in repentance and baptism and confession, and you'll be Blessed beyond measure, more than you ever could deserve and should deserve. My goal here has been very simple. That is to encourage you along the way to help you find your passion and life in Jesus Christ. Hey, friend, stop by and visit our website at normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com. Well, friend, I just want to tell you this. Thank you so much for listening. And may God Bless you.
I am so happy now. You may be asking how. Nothing will keep me down because my heart is safe and sound. Oh, how my Lord was true. Oh, my Lord was true. Even when life seemed life seemed dark and no one could take from me the gift that set me free. Jesus has given me, given me His wonderful grace, you see. Jesus died for me, so I sing this song because I'm looking to eternity. Once I was lost in sin, no one would take me in. I was beyond repair and oh, my life was in despair. Oh, how my Lord was true, oh, my Lord was true. Even when life seemed, life seemed dark and no one could take from me. Jesus has given me, given me His wonderful grace. Jesus died for so me. So I sing this song because I'm looking to eternity. Jesus has given, given me, me His wonderful grace. Jesus died for me. So I sing this song because I'm looking to eternity. I am so happy now. So you may be asking how. Nothing will keep me down because my heart is safe and sound. Oh, how my Lord is true. Oh, my Lord is true. Even when life seemed, life seemed dark and blue. No one can take from me. No one 